Hey, awesome to see you. All right, so you guys are here in person. Let's, um, let's greet the online church. Like, we're really glad they're part of what's going on, too. Well, welcome to Christ Community. My name's Daryl. If I haven't met you yet, I'm one of the pastors here. I'm really glad to be with you today. Thanks for being part of our worship service. Uh, for those of you guys who are new, if this is your first, second, third time here, and, and you haven't let us know you're here yet, I and mean, we'd love to know you're part of what's going on. Um, for those of you in person, if you wouldn't mind, there's a QR code on the seat in front of you, and you can scan that with your phone. It takes you to our Connect card, which lets us connect you to the church, the best thing about Christ community people, and so we'd love to do that for you. Those of you guys who are online, um, there's a connect button there as well. A service host will let you um, get to that and uh, introduce yourself, and we'd love to know that you're, you're part of what God's doing here, and so we can help you. We can pray for you. Any way we can serve you, we'd love to be able to do that. So um, we made it to October. Like, is that a good thing? Uh, yeah, we're not sure, are we? Maybe I should say, it's already October? Is that like, is that better? Yeah, okay, it's flying by. Um, that means we've got Thanksgiving and Christmas coming, so like that's a good thing. You guys are scared of snow, I can tell, but my snowblower works, so it's all good with me here. So we made it to October, and um, we are in this fall series, because it's fall now, it's like full-on fall. So we're in this fall series, and we're working our way through some things that um, high value for us as a church. And we're, we're kind of examining a new paradigm, a new way of thinking about our spiritual life. And today, I wanna talk with you about worship. And so I think what we're gonna talk about will maybe expand what you've been thinking about worship before in your life. It will help us maybe get on the same page on some things and uh, give us some next steps to take as people who wanna grow in this area of worship. So I wanna start with a couple of definitions. This first one is from Charles Wesley. He's a hymn writer. Charles and John Wesley, famous brothers in um, Christian revivalism, 1800s. So Charles Wesley, at the end of one of his hymns, he, he wrote this little definition, and I think it's a great little definition of worship. He talks about being lost in wonder, love, and praise. And, and you'd expect that of a hymn writer, somebody who, who his, his vision of or his version of worship was, was connected to the head and the heart expressing themselves through music and song and and being lost in wonder and love and praise at the grandeur and beauty of who God is. So that's a great definition. I think we should hang on to that one. The other definition that I would offer you today is worship is our joyful response to who God is and what he's doing. So this one's a little, little broader. If you're not artistic, if that first one scared you a little bit, uh, this, this one might be a little more, one that you would grasp, one you'd be willing to hang on to, that worship is our joyful response to who God is and what he's doing in our lives, lives of people who are around us in our community and our world. And so we're gonna talk about worship today, but be thinking with me as we think through these things about these two definitions of worship. So let me, let me share with you one of, the, one of the primary passages in scripture about worship. This is the Gospel of John, chapter four. Jesus is talking to a lady and he's giving her some, they're having a conversation about worship and he's, he's giving her some definition because she's got some things that are sideways. And so in the Gospel of John, chapter four, verse 23, Jesus says, he says, a time is coming and has now come because he's present, has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth for they're the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God's spirit 
and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So I wanna talk about a few things from that verse just as a umbrella statements of, of what we're thinking about together today. So if you notice that, that Jesus says that God is seeking worshipers. And just think about that for a moment. That God desires people to worship him. So I'm wondering why. Right now, if, if you have a human being who wants others to worship them, you're, like that creates chaos, creates a mess. So in, in the framework that we have, when one person desires another person to worship them, everything's thrown off and, and you should be skeptical if you're the person being asked to worship. You should be something else if you're the person asking for worship. But if you're being asked, like if, you, if, you are, if you're thinking about being a worshiper, the Father seeks worshipers. So why would he do that? So I think there's a couple reasons. The first one is, is that God is the highest good. He is, he's the highest good. So in, if, if anyone or anything is going to be worshiped, it should be the one who is the highest good. The, the greater should always be worshiped, not the lesser. And so for God to be aware and to know that he is, he alone is the highest good, then it is, it makes sense that he would desire worshipers because anyone or anything lesser than him receiving worship is, that, that means things are upside down and that, that's not how it goes. So here, I was thinking about this this week and this is, a, this is a super incomplete illustration but maybe at least will help those of you who are sports fans. So Vikings are gonna play this weekend and um, the collective groan over what's gonna happen, right? Okay, so it's, it's fourth and inches, and we know they're gonna run the ball. Now, Dalvin Cook is the Vikings' best running back. Dalvin Cook wants the ball. He doesn't want the ball because he's an egomaniac, because he's prideful. He wants the ball because he's the best running back, the best chance the Vikings have to get a first down. And so in the same really make the leap with me in this. God desires our worship because he's the one who should have it. And he knows that better than you and I know that. And so the father is seeking worshipers because he's the one, he's the only one who's worthy of it. Now, alongside of that, we are created by God in his image. So he made us to, to be like him in certain ways. And you and I are not fulfilled or complete until we are worshipers of God. And for a person who is made in God's image to give their worship to anyone or anything that is lesser than the greatest, highest good, we're not fulfilling the purposes for which we were created and that grieves our creator because we're pursuing less than, so it grieves him and it hurts us. 
So for, for you or I as people created in the image of God to worship anyone or anything other than God who is the highest good is devastating for us. Everything is messed up sideways, upside down in our lives when we are worshiping less than. And, and God knows that. And because he loves us, he wants better for us. So the father is seeking worshipers because he is alone worthy of worship, particularly of those who are created in his image. It is for his glory and for our good that the father seeks worshipers. And it's good news for you and for me that he would seek us to be worshipers of him because if we're left to ourselves, we're gonna be off worshiping those lesser things and God comes and seeks us to be worshipers of him for his glory and for our good. So he, the father is seeking worshipers and true worshipers, Jesus says, are going to worship the father two ways he gives in spirit or in the spirit and in truth. So what does that mean? So let's start within the spirit. So when Jesus says that true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit, he's talking to a lady in a place and at a time where worship was bound geographically. Like if you were gonna engage in fullest and highest worship in that day and time under God's deal with humankind at that point, you were gonna be in the city of Jerusalem at the temple there. And this lady who was talking to Jesus, she lived close, but because of her nationality and because of the rules that had been put in place by the religious leaders, she wasn't allowed. She wasn't allowed. And so Jesus is giving her good news. A worship, that what has come now in Jesus, she doesn't have to be in Jerusalem at the place. She doesn't have to... Like, True worship doesn't happen in a place that she's not allowed to go to. It happens in the spirit. And he's, it's like Jesus has recognized that there's this realm because God is a spirit. And so there's this spiritual realm. You and I have a spirit, that unseen part of us. And God's spirit, as we come to believe in Jesus, God's spirit comes to live inside of us. And so we have this, we have this tremendous place of worship that's not geographical, it's in the deepest parts of who we are engaging with the Spirit of God who lives in our deepest parts. And so when Jesus says the Father is looking for people who, who will worship him in spirit, God is not a, he's not a go through the motions God. We could think about it that way. God's not looking for people who will just go through the motions of whatever we happen to think worship looks like. He's not looking for that. He's looking for people who will engage with him at the deepest part of who they are. He's not, he's not looking for people who are checking boxes. You know, for some reason, you've got this idea in your mind or this picture of what it looks like to be a worshiper of God, and so I'm gonna just engage at a surface, shallow level and check these. He's not looking for people who are gonna check boxes. He's looking for people who will worship him in spirit in the deepest parts of who they are engaging with him at the deepest part of who he is. And so Jesus says those are the kinds of worshipers the Father is seeking, not, not going through the motions, box checking worshipers. He wants to draw you in deeper to better things than that. So God is seeking those who worship in spirit. And then the other thing Jesus says that he's seeking people who worship him in truth. 
And I would say capital T truth. If they'd asked me to edit the scriptures or to put those, our Bible together, I would capitalize that word just so that we know we're talking about not your truth, my truth, the culture's truth. We're talking about God's truth. And to engage him in what is true about him, what he's made known to us that is true about him through his son, Jesus, who is the way, the truth, in the life, to engage with him through what is the scriptures. Jesus speaking to the Father says, your word, his written word is capital T, truth, to engage with him under this umbrella of capital T, truth, of how he's revealed himself to us, and to go back to the idea of worshiping in spirit, to also engage with him in what is true about ourselves. And that like you would, you would be honest, open, transparent, vulnerable with him. God is speaking, he is seeking worshipers who will worship him not just in spirit but also in truth under this umbrella of capital T, truth of who he is. And so as we, as we think about worship being our response to who God is within the realm of this spirit and umbrellaed by truth, God's seeking us to engage in these things. What I wanna do for our purposes as a church, I wanna talk with you about, about three areas or maybe three kinds of worship that we're gonna be emphasizing as a church going forward. I, there's, a, there's a lot of things if you're gonna say, hey, let's list out all the stuff, kinds, ways of worship, let's make a list. It'd be a long list. So this for me, I would argue that these are the top three I, not everybody would agree these are the top three, but I think most Christian scholars, leaders would at least grant us that these are in the top five. So, but for us as a church, these are gonna be kind of in the top three things. And so I wanna walk you through some stuff that's a little bit specific, but before I do that, I wanna acknowledge, again, a greater truth that all of our lives, not just this little bit that we're gonna be talking about today, all of our lives are supposed to be lived as a joyful response to who God is and what he's doing. Romans chapter 12, verse one, the Apostle Paul is writing these words to the ancient church at Rome and to us, Christ Community Church, here in Rochester, Minnesota. He says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So he paints this picture of what is worship. Worship is offering myself, my body, all of who I am as a sacrifice to God. So I'm supposed to live all of my life as a joyful response to who God is and what he's doing. And that, I don't know how you feel about that. That sounds intimidating to me. And I'm forever falling short. And so what I really hope happens as we talk about these three specific things and as we emphasize them, they really become for us next steps towards this God-honoring statement of offering all of who we are as a living sacrifice, our joyful response to who God is and what he's doing. And so I wanna, I wanna walk you through this diagram that we've been hanging on to. I hope you guys aren't tired of seeing this yet. You're gonna see it more. This is, this is really the summary of this series that we're in. This is, for me, a really helpful way of looking and thinking about our spiritual life. Let's just 
remember to acknowledge that God's always moving towards us. So if you start the top left side of that cross and look at the arrows, God's moving towards us in this gospel, this good news that we can have freedom, we can be rescued, we can be forgiven through Jesus, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, and we receive that. It's the offer of grace that God makes to us and we receive it by faith, and as we receive that, we begin to have this faith story, this, this beginning thing that God is doing in our lives, something like he's writing this thing and we get to share it with the people who are around us. And God continues to move towards us in his word, his written word, and in prayer. We've talked about that the last couple of weeks and, and how in prayer he, as the creator, transcendent God, draws near to us. And, and as he has initiated with us, we then get to respond to him. And we get to respond to him in prayer, and we get to respond to him in obedience to the things that he's making known to us, the things that he's calling us to. And today I wanna move us up to that word worship as our ultimate response to God and who he is, the things that he's doing in our lives. There's, a, there's this vertical relationship that you and I have where God moves towards us and we respond to him. And the height of our response to him is these three things that we're gonna talk about in worship. So I'm gonna start talking to you about corporate worship. Corporate worship is what we do together. It's, it's what happens when, when God's people join together. Jesus made this promise that when two or three gather together in his name, he's in our midst. There's a, there's a unique experience of his presence when we come together in worship. We gather, and we can gather in person, we gather online, we gather together with God's people in worship. That's corporate worship, and we come together. And so we worship, like, and this is where most people start. This is where most people start as a worshiper. They start by coming into, in some way, into the people of God and join into that, and it's, it's a great place to start. And the reason it's a great place to start is because if you've ever, have you ever watched like the Tour de France bicycle races, there's, there's some guys who they jump out in front and they're out in front and they're, they're out there. They're, but there's this whole group, it's called the Peloton. The Peloton rides, it's crazy how close together they ride, but they're together and they ride together and they're, they're kind of drafting off of each other and they're sticking together and they it's just better for all of them that are in that, in that Peloton, they're, they're in there. And that's really, I think that's a great illustration of what corporate worship is. So we come together and, and some of us have been doing this for a while and some of us are new and, and we get to join together and those of us who've been doing it for a while get to see the excitement that is part of the life of somebody who's new to it. And those of us who are new kind of get to see, get some direction from people who've been around for a little while. And, and we all get to do this thing together. We have this, like we have this worship experience. And, you know, we sing sometimes, we read scripture, we pray, we take communion. We join our voices as the people of God. This is what we do. We join our hearts together and we join our voices together as the people of God and we engage with him. It's us. And so it is, it is this corporate worship. And it's incredibly important. It's incredibly important. It's a starting place for many people. But you never grow out of this. Spiritually speaking, you never grow out of your need for this. And God never grows out of his delight 
and when his people gather together to worship him. That's why we have worship services every weekend. If it, if it didn't really matter, we'd probably do it once a month or, or less. Um, but it matters. And it matters for you and it matters to God and we join together and we experience him collectively as a family in a unique way, sort of like the holidays when all your family's together without the craziness. We, we get to experience God together as, as a body and, and then there's this other cool thing that happens when we're together in relationship responding as a family to our heavenly father, it spills over into the lives of the people who are around us. There's this great set of verses, Ephesians chapter five, verses 19 and 20. It's, it's encouragement to this church at Ephesus. Be filled with the spirit, with the spirit of God. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this instruction about people who are gathered together for corporate worship, notice that there's this, you're giving thanks to the Father, you're praising, you're honoring him, and you're talking to each other while you're doing all these same things. And it's this Godward deal that spills over into the lives of the people who are around us. It's amazing to me that we can gather together for corporate worship and the point is to honor God, but I leave filled. We come together to, to recognize and to respond to who God is and what he's doing for and with among us, and our attention is to him. We're pouring ourselves out in his direction, and yet in doing that, we fill each other up. It's this beautiful moment. And I'm so thankful for the gift of corporate worship. So one of the ways we worship corporately is through communion. And we're just gonna pause right here in this message and participate in this beautiful moment of communion. So the you who are online, if you'd grab your communion supplies, those of you guys who are in the room, if you'd grab your cup. So Jesus gave this faith moment, worship moment, moment of remembrance to us right before he went to the cross. He gave us a piece of bread, he gave us a piece of broken bread. He gave us a cup of juice to represent his body which would be broken for us, his blood which would be shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. And he gave us this little spiritual meal to do together. So you've got your elements. Becky and Brenda are gonna lead us in a worship moment through song, and then I will come back and lead us through the completion of this worship moment in communion. And 
body has shed blood you may believe that for as long as you can remember you can believe it right now Jesus said this bread is my body which is broken for you eat this in remembrance of me so let's eat the bread together After he gave us the bread, 
gives the cup. He said, this cup is my blood which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. If you want to know what forgiveness is, where to find it, it's on the cross where Jesus shed his blood. Gave his life for ours. This blood is, or this cup is my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. Let's drink the cup together. So, can I pray for us? Lord Jesus, a moment like this, just this reminder of who you are, what you've done, what you're doing for us, we're really grateful. Thank you. Thank you for, for loving us in such a way that you want us back. We'd wandered from you, we were lost, without hope. You came and you found us and you've drawn us back in. We now have forgiveness of our sins and abundant eternal life. Life and light comes to us through you. So thank you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So we have this beautiful privilege of corporate worship. And it's important for us. We also have the opportunity to worship God individually, personally, personal worship. I don't know if you've thought about this before. You don't have to be a church. We're a father seeking worshipers who worship him in the spirit and truth. Not in the church. Church is a place of worship, but this isn't the place of worship. So you have this incredible privilege of being able to worship the Lord your God. You have a personal relationship with him. And, and he, is, he is waiting to, to move towards you and to have you respond to him in worship, just you and him, just you and him, just the two of you who are there. There's this beautiful statement, Psalm 103, Verse one, psalmist writes these words to himself. He says, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. And then he goes on, if you read through that psalm, he lists a number of things, forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with glory and honor. He goes on to make this list of these things that why, he's, why God is worthy of praise. Praise the Lord, my soul, my inmost being, praise his holy name, the depths of me, all of who I am, offer him what he is due, what he is worthy of, respond to him because of how he has moved towards you. And I love the idea of, of personal worship. So we come to church, we engage in corporate worship, 
and, and it is led for us and we get to go along with the group and we respond to what God is doing together with our common faith. But I have a personal relationship with God and you have a personal relationship with God and we relate to him on an individual personal level as well. And so we get this, this amazing opportunity to, with our inmost being, with, with the seat of who we are, with all of who we are to, to offer him, praise the Lord, oh my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Now what's cool about this is this is, this is not just what you, know, you might hear if you've been around church or suddenly comes some Christianese, this is not just having a quiet time. This isn't, this isn't like engaging in Bible study, it could be those things, but this isn't, this isn't what you, like this doesn't have to be maybe what's been pushed towards you as personal worship. This is, this is your relationship with your heavenly father. He's seeking people who will worship him in spirit at the core of the depths of who they are, relating to him under the umbrella of truth. And so this is, this is beautiful. So the psalmist, who is an artist, he, he sang to the Lord. You know, you could, you could sing to the Lord. Just you by yourself could sing to him. He, the psalmist wrote poetry. People in the Bible, he, they wrote poetry to the Lord. If you like to write poetry, that, that could be an act of worship. You could write poetry to the Lord your God. In your personal relationship with him, you don't have to share it with anybody else. You can if you want, but it's, he sees it, he hears it. It's a beautiful expression to him. If you like to draw, if you're an artist of some sort, or if you just like to try drawing, you draw pictures to the Lord, you, he's your heavenly father. Be his child. And, and engage with him, respond to how he is, he is moving towards you. And if, and if you hear those things and you're like, ah, I don't like to sing, well, you should try it sometime. It's, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, um, you can, but you can be who you are at the depths of who you are with the Lord. And so you get to respond to him in, in how he's moving towards you. And there are the only rules in your relationship with God or under that umbrella of capital T truth, who he has revealed himself to be through Jesus and through his written word and the ways that he's told us that we should worship him. And can I just tell you that where, where, if we're gonna worship him in spirit, the Bible tells us where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And one of the things that the psalmist says about the Lord God is like, you pulled me out of, you pulled me out of bondage and you set me on firm ground and you give me wide places to run. And so when you think about yourself as a person who worships the Lord, it is the depths of who you are responding to the goodness of your heavenly father, and you get to be you in that. And so we have this incredible opportunity not just to be a student of the scriptures, not just, not just to have quiet time to reflect, but to be a worshiper. In the framework of our relationship with our heavenly father, we can get lost, like just in your own moments, you could get lost in wonder and love and praise about who God is and what he's doing. You, you can recognize what he said about himself, or how you're experiencing him in your life under the umbrella of his truth and respond to that in the ways that he made you to respond. And so, so you get to do you as 
as a personal worshiper, and again, it's another beautiful privilege that you and I have, children of God, to, to keep our world ordered rightly so that we are giving attention, the greatest attention to the greatest one and walking away from the little G gods in our lives that we set up for ourselves that have been offered to us and we believed that we could take those moments and, and make sure that all is right in our world and that we are in a posture where God can put us in the stream and flow of his blessing through personal worship. Praise the Lord, oh my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. So we, we get to worship corporately and we get to worship personally, individually. And there's this third thing. And this, is, this may feel like a little bit of a left turn to some of you. It's okay. Third, sacrificial giving. So I'm, I'm gonna say this. I think, I think the highest form of Christian worship in 21st century America is sacrificial giving. I'm gonna show you a verse, and, I'm, and I'll tell you why in just a couple minutes, and then one of the questions I'm gonna ask you afterwards is if you agree with that statement, okay? So you don't, you don't have to agree with me, but I think I'm gonna talk you into it biblically over the next couple of minutes. I think the highest form of Christian worship in 21st century America is sacrificial giving. Let me, let me share this verse with you. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse nine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. If worship is our response to who God is and what he has done and is doing in our lives, he has moved towards us sacrificially in Jesus. He's moved towards us sacrificially. Jesus, you know the grace of God. This is the grace of God towards you and me. That though Jesus was rich, he was God and very God, the, the center and the worship of heaven. Though he's rich, yet for our sake, your sake, my sake, he became poor, came to our world, took on human flesh, lived among us, died on a cross. Not, not just entered into death, something that is not reality for the Son of God, God the Son, but death on a cross, which is criminal's execution, dying a sinner's death, he entered into, he became poor so that you and I might become rich. His resurrection life, you and I can receive it. And so, so he, he comes to us, he becomes poor to come to us so that we, through his poverty, could become rich, sacrificial giving. So you and I, worshipers, responding to who God is and what he's doing. He's always moving towards you in sacrificial ways. Everything God does for you, towards you, it all flows to us through Jesus, through his sacrifice on the cross, through his death on the cross, 
It's, he's always moving towards us in sacrificial ways. He's, he was rich, he became poor, so that we through his poverty might become rich. So if we're responding to this sacrificial God, we, sac- we respond through sacrifice. And the reason I, I would offer you sacrificial giving as, as the greatest form of Christian worship in our day and time is because the, the most prominent and the most tempting little g God is money or the things it buys or probably more the security that we think it will give to us if we could just have a little bit more. And, and to, to take what is our most prominent and tempting little g God and lay that at the feet of the one true God is worship in its highest form. It puts everything in the right order for us. It takes, it takes our little G God and lays it face down at the feet of and acknowledging you are the one true God. You sacrifice for me, I sacrifice in response to you. And I'm, and I'm not trying to raise money for the church, I promise you guys, I'm not trying to raise money for the church. What I'm trying to do is get you to ask the question for those of you who don't give or those of you who do of, is this an act of worship? You know, can, when I give, and, and you can give to Jesus, there's a number of ways you can give to the Lord. You can give to the Lord through his church. This is his church. He calls it his body and his bride. So giving to the church is a very legitimate way to give to the Lord. But he also, there are, there are good Christian ministries in our community and country around the globe. There are good Christian ministries that you could give, you could support them. And so if, you, if you're skeptic, you think I'm just trying to raise money for the church, give somewhere else. Don't give it here. You can give to the poor. He has a heart for the poor. You just give straight to the poor or straight to places that relieve the suffering of, of people who don't have resources. You can give to that in any number of ways. But when you give, you're responding to this, this sacrificial father who has moved towards you, his son who has moved towards you, become poor, so that you can become rich. And you and I take our our little G God and lay it at his feet for his good and for his purposes and for his glory and it puts our world in right order so that this thing, this security that we chase and we tend to idolize, now all of that lays at the feet of Jesus. I think it's the highest form of Christian worship and those of you who've been around are maybe thinking, yeah, we talk about money when we talk about stewardship, right? Because we recognize that, that it all belongs to God and everything that we have comes from him and so we want to steward his resources well. It's true, we do. But I'm suggesting to you that, that there's maybe another step or a sideways way of looking at that that I think is it's healthier for us spiritually. To look at our giving and say, Jesus, you are worth this. And like really look at your giving and say, Jesus, you're worth this. And does that ring true? 
Jesus, you are worth this. You who were rich for my sake became poor so that I through your poverty might become rich. This is, boy, this is a temptation for me to put my hope in this, my, this is my security, this is, I'm giving it to you and you are worth this. That is worship. That is worship and it turns your world, it orders your world correctly so that you can be in the stream and the flow of God's blessing. That sacrificial giving would be the highest form of our worship. Yes, we're gonna sing, yes, we're gonna pray, yes, we're gonna take communion, yes, we're gonna read scripture, yes, we're gonna, we're gonna be by ourselves and do those things that make sense for it, yes, we're gonna do all those things and we're gonna recognize that this, like we're gonna bring really what is our greatest temptation into and lay it at the feet of Jesus and Jesus, you are worth this. All right, so in just a minute we're gonna sing as our final declaration of corporate worship today, before we do that, I need to ask you guys the discussion questions, all right? So this is kind of, this kind of a, I feel like this is a little bumpy way to end these things, but we gotta end it somehow, and I gotta give these questions to you for your small groups, for yourself, if you wanna talk about this. So here's, here's a few questions for you. Another passage of scripture to read first. When we were asking every week from, from this message, from the daily devotions, as much as you've read of them, up to the point your small group gathers, what did you most appreciate? Second question, do you consider yourself a worshiper? Well, and why or why not? I mean, do you consider yourself a worshiper? Third question, this one, do you agree in our context, sacrificial giving is the highest form of Christian worship? And why or why not do you agree about that? But just, I'd love for you to think through that a little bit and talk through that as a group. Read Luke 12, 22 through 34. What does Jesus say about God? What does he say about us? What does he say about giving? What does he say about eternity? There's some other stuff in there that you might wanna talk about in your group. Talk about that, that'd be great. And then the last question is, what are some next steps for you to grow as a worshiper? This isn't about pressure, this isn't about accountability, this is about Christian people sitting together discussing where they are and where they think God's calling them to do and helping each other take those next steps together because our God is worth what we give to him. With our mouths, with our hearts, with our wallets, with our lives, whatever you lay out for him, he is worth that. So would you guys please stand? I'm gonna pray for us, and then we'll finish our service with this great song. So Lord, you are worthy. With the, um, the church of heaven. Worthy are you, Lord, to receive power and glory and honor and wisdom and strength and wealth and blessing. And whatever it costs us, you're worth that. So would you grow us as worshipers for your glory, for our good, 
rescue us from our lives being upside down because someone or something else has that, that place of ultimate worth in our lives. Thanks for the privilege of being part of this church. And we get to do these things together. So Jesus, we love you. We love one another. We pray these things in your name. Amen.